O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. The true God, one in three, and three in one. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, Never shall be world without end. Amen. The true God, one in three and three in one. O come, let us worship him.
Blessed be the Holy Trinity and the undivided unity. We will give glory to him because he has shown his mercy to us. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Blessed be the Holy Trinity and the undivided unity. We will give glory to him because he has shown his mercy to us. The Old Testament lesson for the Feast of the Holy Trinity is written in the sixth chapter of the book of the prophet Isaiah, beginning at the first verse. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. One called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. The whole earth is full of his glory. The foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin forgiven. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God.
The epistle is written in the 11th chapter of Romans, beginning at the 33rd verse. Brothers, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past tracing out! For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has first given to him, and it will be repaid to him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Blessed art thou that beholdest the depths and sittest upon the cherubim, and to be praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou on the glorious throne of thy kingdom, and above all to be praised and glorified forever. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia. Blessed art thou, O Lord God of our fathers, and to be praised and exalted above all forever. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. John, the third chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, We know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Amen, amen, I tell you, unless one is born anew, he cannot see God's kingdom. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Amen, amen, I tell you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he can't enter into God's kingdom. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born anew. The wind blows where it wants to, and you hear it sound, but don't know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus answered him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel and don't understand these things? Amen, amen, I tell you, we speak that which we know and testify of that which we have seen, and you don't receive our witness. If I told you earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven but he who descended out of heaven, the Son of Man, who is in heaven. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God didn't send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. We bless the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Praise and magnify him forever. Blessed art thou, O Lord, in the firmament of heaven, and above all to be praised and glorified forever. Praise him and magnify him forever. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. Praise him and magnify him forever. Whoever desires to be saved must, above all, hold the Catholic faith. Whoever does not keep it whole and undefiled will without doubt perish eternally. And the Catholic faith is this, 
that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confusing the persons nor dividing the substance. For the Father is one person, the Son is another, and the Holy Spirit is another. But the Godhead of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit is one, the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. Such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Spirit. The Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, the Holy Spirit uncreated, the Father infinite, the Son infinite, the Holy Spirit infinite, the Father eternal, the Son eternal, the Holy Spirit eternal. And yet there are not three eternals, but one eternal, just as there are not three uncreated or three infinites, but one uncreated and one infinite. In the same way, the Father is Almighty, the Son Almighty, the Holy Spirit Almighty. And yet there are not three Almighties, but one Almighty. So the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. And yet there are not three gods, but one God. So the Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, the Holy Spirit is Lord. And yet there are not three Lords, but one Lord. Just as we are compelled by the Christian truth to acknowledge each distinct person as God and Lord, so also are we prohibited by the Catholic religion to say that there are three gods or lords. The Father is not made nor created nor begotten by anyone. The Son is neither made nor created but begotten of the Father alone. The Holy Spirit is of the Father and of the Son, neither made nor created nor begotten but proceeding. Thus there is one Father, not three fathers, one Son, not three sons, one Holy Spirit, not three Holy Spirits. And in this Trinity, none is before or after another, none is greater or less than another. But the whole three persons are co-eternal with each other and co-equal, so that in all things, as has been stated above, the Trinity in unity and unity in Trinity is to be worshipped. Therefore, whoever desires to be saved must think thus about the Trinity. But it is also necessary for everlasting salvation that one faithfully believe the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is the right faith that we believe and confess that our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is at the same time both God and man. He is God, begotten of the substance of the Father before all ages, and he is man, born from the substance of his mother in this age. Perfect God and perfect man, composed of a rational soul and human flesh, equal to the Father with respect to his divinity, less than the Father with respect to his humanity. Although he is God and man, he is not two, but one Christ. One, however, not by the conversion of the divinity into flesh, but by the assumption of the humanity into God. One altogether, not by confusion of substance, but by unity of person. For as the rational soul and flesh is one man, so God and man is one Christ, who suffered for our salvation, descended into hell, rose again the third day from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father, God Almighty, from whence he will come to judge the living and the dead." At his coming, all people will rise again with their bodies and give an account concerning their own deeds. And those who have done good will enter into eternal life, and those who have done evil into eternal fire. This is the Catholic faith. Whoever does not believe it faithfully and firmly cannot be saved. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Being a parent is a joy, although not always easy. But from the moment I held my first child in my arms, I wanted to take all I had, my experiences, possessions, even my own life, to raise this baby girl and then the boys that followed. To teach them, protect them, and hand down the faith to them so that they stay in the faith throughout life, find a faithful spouse, and find vocations to serve others. I'd give anything for them. But some challenges with kids are never expected, even though you give everything for them. For instance, whenever I pour a cup of coffee in the morning or a glass of wine at home, there's my toddler standing there watching me and then saying, I want some. Then I'll answer, no, this is for daddies and mommies. And then comes the inevitable question from the toddler. Why? Why? Now, if anyone has found a way to explain the science of caffeine or alcohol to a toddler, please let me know, because I haven't. So I usually answer, it just is. Now go enjoy the milk or juice or lemonade or whatever else good that your mom and I gave you. Go enjoy that. Then the toddler says, but I want to have what you have. So I say, you can't. The toddler says, but why? So I try to end the conversation with, you'll just have to trust me. But the toddler's never satisfied with that, not ever. So no matter how many good things I give our toddlers, they always want what they can't have and what they can't understand. And that's exactly how we are with God. When the scriptures are silent or don't answer all of our questions, we're like the toddler asking, why, 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 why? And when the scriptures don't answer, we sometimes even have our own temper tantrums like toddlers do. More like adult temper tantrums, but we still have them. And so that's why St. Paul says in Romans this morning, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable are his ways. Paul lays it right out. God's judgments are unsearchable. His ways inscrutable. We know and see only what God reveals to us, and that is it. For instance, take God's unsearchable judgments. How do we know he judges and condemns? Because the scriptures reveal it. Cain, the first murderer, was cursed. The world was condemned in a mass genocide in the flood waters. Babel was cursed with tongues and confusion. Sodom and Gomorrah was cursed or condemned as they were wiped off the earth for their evil lusts. Pharaoh and his armies were crushed by the sea. The Canaanites were condemned, so the Israelites went in and slaughtered them at God's command. And scripture also reveals judgments against even Israel. When, they, when the generation of Israel was condemned to 40 years in the wilderness. When we, when we see in the scriptures the destruction of the northern tribes and the terrible captivity of Jerusalem. And Christ himself prophesied the judgment and destruction of Jerusalem after his ascension. Along with that, we especially see God's revealed judgment on the cross. His judgment to the thief hanging to his left. And his judgment against the devil as the devil's head is crushed when our Lord dies. And what do God's revealed judgments show us? 
that our God is a just God who hates evil, conquers evil, punishes evil, condemns it into eternity. Those are God's judgments as revealed to us. But Paul says God's ways are also inscrutable. When Paul speaks of God's ways here, we have to understand he's not saying that there are many ways or paths to God. There is only one way to the Father. We know that's Jesus Christ, who alone is the way, the truth, and the life. So instead, what Paul is speaking of here are all the ways of God's grace and mercy. Again, how do we know God's ways? How do we even know that he shows grace and mercy to us? Again, only by what the scriptures reveal. For instance, ask any average Joe how he thinks God would or should bring his salvation to earth, and what would that average Joe say? That God should bring his salvation through the force of angelic armies? Or through the strongest kingdoms on earth with the best technologies? Or maybe through people who are the most moral? All of those seem reasonable. But what do the scriptures reveal? None of that. <laughs> Instead, that God chose Abraham, a son of idolaters, and himself well into old age and childless. God chose Abraham to be the father of God's own people. Without anything worthy in Abraham himself, God calls him, names him, and from the death of Abraham's old age, brings miraculously life in his son Isaac. And then follows Jacob. And from Jacob follows his 12 rebellious sons. And what does God do with these 12 very sinful sons? He sees Joseph sold into slavery and makes Joseph rise to power in Egypt. 400 years after that, God then takes the people of Israel from slavery to freedom, death to life in the Passover and the going through of the waters. Look throughout the Old Testament and we'll see when Israel went astray, God called them back through his prophets or tried to call them back through his prophets. When the Jews were in captivity in Babylon, he gave rise even to Daniel to govern in the kingdoms of the heathen, Esther as well. In his grace and mercy, the Lord even returned the Jews from Babylon 70 years later to the promised land. And why? Why would God do all this in the Old Testament? Was it because Abraham or Jacob or the sons of Jacob or the slaves of Egypt or the unfaithful kingdom of Judah? Did any of them deserve such treatment? No. It was God revealing his ways of grace and mercy to them and to us. Completely undeserved. Again, ask any average Joe how we can be saved. And what would an average Joe say? He would say, be a good person. Do good works to make up for your sins and to earn salvation or righteousness for yourself. But what do the scriptures reveal? None of that. Instead, the scriptures reveal that for our salvation, the Son of God became man in the incarnation, that he was baptized with sinners, that he ministered and taught and healed sinners on earth. The scriptures show in, in the triumphal entry that Jesus is the king and the long-expected Christ, that his suffering and passion show us that suffering comes before glory. His death on the cross was revealed to us that 
He suffered the great penalty for our sin and took our stead, our punishment, while he fulfilled the law perfectly, did nothing wrong. His resurrection showed us we are justified in him. His ascension showed us that he, a man, reigns over heaven and earth and intercedes for us before the Father. And also that he's the one who sent the Spirit from the Father on Pentecost to give life to the church, life to us. And all of this shows us that we do nothing for our salvation and that Christ did it all. No average Joe, not even the wisest of all men, would give that answer about salvation because it doesn't seem reasonable or fair or even within our comprehension. And yet, while none of us could give that answer to how we would be saved, that's what the scriptures reveal about God. One last time, ask any average Joe how he thinks God would or should establish a kingdom and a path to heaven on earth. And what would an average Joe say? An average Joe would say that God should make his scriptures drop from the sky after he himself penned the pages. An average Joe would say that God should establish a physical throne on earth and Christ should set up a visible theocracy to rule the people. He would say that Christ himself, for the people to believe, he himself should come down from heaven every Sunday and preach from the pulpit, or at least send some seraphims to preach for him. (laughs) After all, if a seraphim flew down from heaven every Sunday and preached to you, we within our reason would think that we'd be more inclined to believe, wouldn't we? Of course, the sight of a seraphim would scare the daylights out of us all the time, and the voice of a seraphim would be so magnificent that we'd be deaf after only two Sundays, but our reason says, who would doubt a seraphim? (laughs) But what do the scriptures reveal? Nothing like that. The scriptures reveal that the Holy Spirit wrote the scriptures through sinful men, prophets and apostles that Christ established his kingdom by his death on the cross, that his kingdom spreads by the preaching of the scripture through sinful men. And what do God's revealed ways show us? Throughout all this, what does this reveal about God? It reveals that his ways are not our ways, that his foolishness is still wiser than the wisdom of the world. From all that God reveals about his judgments and ways to us, we have enough to meditate and pray on for the rest of our lives. Because how can we stop meditating on his law and gospel, which show him just while at the same time being merciful and loving? And yet, even with all that God has revealed... Just like a toddler, our reason isn't satisfied because our reason hears the scriptures and it can't stop asking questions. Such as, why did God allow sin to come through one man and why did God then commit all men to disobedience? That doesn't seem fair. And if Christ died for the sins of the world, why are there people who have never heard of of him and remain in their sin and died in their sin? What happens to them? How can some people come to church every single week and yet not believe? Also, why is the word of God heard by many, yet believed by some and rejected by others? Why are some converted but others not? Why do some remain faithful in their lives while others fall away? 
And then there's the question of today. How can God be three persons and yet one God? How is the Son begotten from all eternity, but also God and not a creature? And so we ask the questions. Why, 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 why? And to be fair, some Christians have tried to give reasonable answers to these seemingly reasonable questions. To the question of what happens to those who don't hear of Christ, some will answer that God will give them an exception or a chance in the afterlife to believe. But there's no promise of Scripture saying that. To the question of why some believe and not others, well, Calvinists answer saying that God, by his divine sovereignty and from eternity, has elected some to be saved and others to be damned. That Jesus died not for the sins of the whole world, but only for the sins of the, of the elect who were chosen from eternity. But, St. <laughs> John says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that Christ indeed died for the sins of the whole world. So that's not it. Others, like Baptists or decision theology theologians, answer that, Salvation or damnation rests entirely on your decision. That if a person accepts Jesus, then he's saved, and if he rejects Jesus, he's damned. But, (laughs) Jesus tells his disciples and his whole church in John's gospel that you did not choose me, but I chose you. So, salvation does not depend on a person's decision based on what Christ says. And then you have Rome and the East say that we're not totally depraved in sin, that even though we have original sin, there's still a spark of goodness that remains in us after the fall. And with that, and divine power from the cross, that we can cooperate with God in earning our salvation, that we can cooperate with becoming righteous before him. But... (laughs) God says all of our works that try to earn our own righteousness are nothing but filthy rags before him. And Paul reminds us repeatedly that salvation comes by grace alone, through faith alone. So our salvation can't depend on works, our own works either. And to today's question of the Trinity, many have tried to give reasonable answers to explain the Trinity. A man named Arius and today's Jehovah's Witnesses claim Jesus is only a creation of God and doesn't share the Father's essence, but was made divine later on after he was created. Islam, of course, accuses Christians of worshiping three gods, saying the Trinity is impossible and that Jesus is only a prophet. Mormonism teaches that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are three different gods and Jesus and Satan are brothers and that we can become gods ourselves if we perform the right works, but none of that can be because Christ in John says he and the Father are one and the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and is also God. In other words, that God is three persons and one God. Trinity and unity, unity and Trinity. Now notice all these questions that we asked from the scriptures and our doctrines They are reasonable questions. And all the answers from other Christians and even from the other religions, they are reasonable answers. They're reasonable because all of them come from the reason of man. 
and some of the answers from the reason of very bright men. They are reasonable questions and answers. But they are not faithful. Which is why St. Paul says, For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? Like my toddler wanting my coffee, we are not capable of knowing why. And where God's ways and judgments are not revealed, they are not given for us to know. So then, where God is silent, he is also telling our reason to be silent and not speak. Because he is God. Our reason is not. His ways are not our ways. His ways are higher in his divine majesty. We can't reach them. It is not for his judgments and ways to serve our reason. It's, our, it's for our reason to serve him. And notice where man's reason insists on speaking where God is silent, it always leads into false teachings and heresies. It leads to confusing many and divisions within the church. It leads many away from the cross, out of the faith. It leads many not towards glorifying God, but rather cursing him. And that would go against how St. Paul ends the epistle. He says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. To glorify our Lord forever is to embrace and confess and live only what is revealed to us. And that is that he is the source of all things, that he is just and merciful, that we must be humble and accept there are things we cannot know and are not given to know, that we are to meditate and marvel upon only what he has revealed to us. And what he's revealed to us is more than enough for every generation to marvel upon and meditate upon. And what has been revealed to us? the flesh and blood of the Son of God, which reveals to us God the Father, the Creator, God the Son, the Redeemer, God the Holy Spirit, the Sanctifier. The flesh and blood reveal to us the heart and mind of God, that He loves us and wants all to be saved in His Son. The flesh and blood reveal to us in baptism that we are united to His crucifixion and His resurrection, that He forgives us and strengthens us and is always with us as we partake of the bread and wine that is His body and blood. His body and blood revealed to us that we are reborn and being remade in the image of Christ crucified. And to that be glory to Christ forever. May we always and forever meditate on God's revelations and marvel at the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, who has given unto us, your servants, grace by the confession of a true faith, to acknowledge the glory of the eternal Trinity and in the power of the divine majesty to worship the unity, we beseech you, that you would keep us steadfast in this faith and evermore defend us from all adversities. Who lives and reigns, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you, so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic, with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, 
that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, Help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, Defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise, and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and Everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil. 
that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds, we may serve and please Thee. Into Thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls, and all that is ours. Let Thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto Thee. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.